Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, with my mom and co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley. Hi, Mom. Hi, Heidi. Well, we have got a really interesting show today, and uh, I know you and I both are very interested in in uh, vibration and in loss and how people deal with it and uh, what is death and what is life and this, uh, you know, kind of some of these deep existential questions. And our guest, Beth Horwin, is a licensed professional psychologist, and she offers workshops, seminars, and retreats to individuals and organizations and employers, assisting them in dealing with healing after life losses. She's a bereaved parent and a spouse and an author of a wonderful book called Love Never Dies. We want to welcome you to our show today, Beth. Hi, Beth. Hi. How are you doing? Great. Well, it's so okay. great to have you on, and uh, I've really enjoyed your book and uh, looking through it. And we wanted to get into some of the things about your book, but starting out, uh, I saw your book first, and uh heard about you, and I thought about, as I was looking through it, I really liked the book in general a lot, but then when I started looking into your background and realized that you had had a child die early on at age 16, right? Yes. And and that was how many years ago? 27 years ago. Also, your husband died. Nine years ago. Nine years ago. You know, you really come from some depth. And some from some knowing, and I really wondered how how you were when your son died. What what kind of an area? I mean, you were so deep now. Did that change your life? It didn't. It, it did change my life, but it didn't start me on the journey that I've been on my entire life. Mm. Um, the journey of of trying to figure out who I am, what my purpose is. Uh, what my beliefs are, that started about 20 years before uh, Michael died. Uh, in fact, he was raised with uh, a lot of the beliefs that I discovered for myself um, that helped me later when he did die, uh, and that I, I think I know uh, helped him through his life, having a, a, a life that was basically um, fearless. You know, one of the things that I was telling Heidi that you really inspire me, and I think you're going to inspire a lot of people, is the fact that he was your only child and uh, that you have been able to go on from that and do so much to help other people and and have had a joyous life. Because Heidi and I do run into many people who have our parents of no living children, and they, they don't do that well. And I love the fact that you're finding joy, don't you, Heidi? Absolutely, and 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 you've lost, you know, your your son Michael, and your husband, and you are living a full life. And I was just wondering how you got to that point. I guess the best way to summarize it is I have been um, on a spiritual journey, mm-hmm. uh, again trying to figure out uh, what life's all about. Um, very very early in life, uh, I realized it was about service. It was about. Uh, doing for others, mm-hmm. doing for myself, but but doing for others. Um, the um, time it took me to come back to feeling anything after Michael died, it, it was sudden, uh, it was uh, violent. Uh, it was about five years. Um, it, it was a good five years. I went through the motions of life. 
Uh, I continued working. I continued uh, living. Um, I wouldn't say um, I was in any state of depression. Um, I was, of course, initially, uh, but went through uh, just trying to understand. Uh, at that time, I didn't know Compassionate Friends existed. Um, I must have read every single possible book, uh, starting with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work for that period of time. So it was the, the um, trying to understand and not allowing um, myself to get stuck in a process that would serve nobody. It, it certainly would not serve Michael. That is not what he would want for me. Mm, I, th- I think that's good information for people. Like the first five years you went through the motions and just tried to somehow, it sounds like, find some kind of meaning. And it, it was a process, and it took a while. It took a while. Yes. It was a journey, it sounds like. And I also love what, what you said, and my mom and I are always saying this, about eventually turning our grief outward into service. And when we help others, it helps us to heal so much. I look now at the tapestry of my life. Uh, the fact that I had the experience of, of joy of having a child um, and then Michael dying, if he hadn't died, there's no way that I could provide the service I do today. Mm-hmm. Now, you had also an experience with Michael um, early on, what the, the first year after you moved, and I wanted you to talk about that a little bit. That's in your book. And uh, also um, about the fact that as a counselor, you find that most people do have some kind of an experience. Yes. Um, people, fortunately, are starting to talk more and more about it. Uh, like I've often had clients tell me, uh, you know, some of you think I'm crazy, uh, but this is really what I heard. This is really what I saw. Well, now we're in a place um, in the evolution, the, the, the progression of, of mankind, where we have a lot of research, not only on near-death experiences, but on after-death communication, on past-life experiences, where the, the joining of the physical world and the spiritual world, that line is getting smaller and smaller, and, it, and, that, and I have had the experience. So when you have the experiences of communicating at different levels, um, in different ways with p- people who have passed, not only Michael, you know, my, my, uh, my father, my uh, husband, when you have those experiences, you can't deny them. And in the experience I had, the, I've had a number of uh, a lot with Michael, but the one in particular that, that I mentioned in the book is the one where uh, our communication uh, was telepathic. The best way I can put it and the way to describe it in the book is I just suddenly woke up and, and went downstairs, and there was a light coming from, from uh, my office, and I knew instantly that it was Michael. Mm-hmm. And when I went in, uh, he just took my hand. He was uh, hysterical, um, just bright, beautiful, beautiful, comforting um, white light. And we went into the living room and sat down, and he told me what a wonderful time um, he was having, uh, how life is, is on the other side is... is uh, incomprehensible, that there's no way we could ever know what life is on the other side in where we are now. But he had things to do, and it was time for me to go on with my life. Mm. I-, I would say that that, because uh, Michael died in 1988, and I moved in uh, 1990. 
So that was about three years after uh, Michael died. And that was where if there was any depression, I being stuck at any stage of grief, if, if I was any place there, that's where it ended. So that was life-changing. It was life-changing. Because it, it sounds like he was saying he had things he needed to do and you had things, you realized that you had a lot of work that you still needed to do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he and go on and do it. Mm-hmm. And I'll always, you know, I'll always be with you. And I, someday, you know, we'll be together again. Mm-hmm. So you have done a lot of work, and, and talk to us a little bit about where do you think people go when they die? I see death as just a portal to another form of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. Yeah, it, it's a portal. Uh, it's not birth and it's not life and death. It's birth and death. Uh, it can death show again, and I, I, I studied the religions of man and the cultures of man. I spent about seven years doing that earlier in life because I was just so fascinated with it. And there's certain threads that just go through all Eastern and Western belief systems and cultures. And one, okay, is is love. And that the the concept of love, uh, the energy of love, it's not possible. It can't die. Now, I'm talking about unconditional love. Not, not, you know, romantic love or any of that stuff, because that, that can die. But unconditional love uh, for ourselves and for others can die. So it would be like a total waste to even think that it's a one-shot deal, you know, coming to Earth. You know? But we don't have, you know, can we have uh, a knowing of where we go right, afterwards? And it's, it's at our level of, of, of um, awareness, um, I, I, I don't. We don't know uh, if people are comfortable saying, you know, that they go to heaven, uh, you know, or, or different forms of heaven. Uh, that's fine. Well, you know, whatever, whatever it takes for them to uh, to be comfortable, you know, with the with um, as comfortable as they can be with the death and dying process to get rid of the fear. That's fine. Uh, I, I'm not going to say I know where I'm going because I don't. Except that I know that I will continue to live and I will be with those I love. Mm. Now, could you talk a little bit about vibration? Gordy, that's, that's huge, and it's one of the things I worked really, really hard with my clients, because besides the grief counseling, uh, I do cognitive behavioral counseling, and what I'll, I'll say to them is, where do you want to resonate? If you, if you look at frequencies and, and vibrations, if you want to be at the, the low end, okay, where, where the vibration is, is, is Thick, it's heavy. Uh, that's that's fear, envy, uh, anger, jealousy, uh, uh, holding grudges, all that stuff. If, if that's where your head's at, and that's where you want to be, you're not going to feel good at all. If you go to the higher frequencies and higher vibrations of love, compassion, generosity, gratitude, and all, all that, if you go there, your your life's going to change. Everything everything changes when you go there. And when, when people get that concept, you know, when I got that concept a long time ago, that it is my choice. I, I'm the only one who can make myself happy. I'm the only one who can put meaning in my life. Nobody can do that for me. And if there are people around me in my life that are, are, are sucking my life force, uh, are, are toxic, um, I, I need to take them out of my life. With grief and loss, we can have so many toxic feelings that um, we need a reason to give them up. We need a reason to know that it is impeding our higher levels of action and vibration and 
And uh, we need to be around people who will help us move in that direction. How did you get to a point, or maybe you weren't there, where you weren't envious and jealous of others that had surviving children? I I wasn't that, that I did not experience. Okay. Uh, I I um and having said that, I have experienced since my husband died, mm-hmm. um, seeing couples you know growing old together mm-hmm. and having that little tinge of of, of envy and, and I, I you know that's something I lost, but it, it's a very 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 different level. Um, I just with with Michael, I I can't explain why. Um, maybe it's because I worked so much with children. I, I was mm-hmm. a, a child care worker um, for for when I was younger, uh, before I was ever married, um, and I, I was raising uh, in, in a, an, uh, an institution um, eight children that uh, were not my biological children. Oh, okay. So I, I always I, I'm, I'm blessed with you know, t- tons of, of cousins and, mm-hmm. and children always around me. Uh, you know that I I could. You know, I just can relate to children across the board. When you were feeling envious and jealous of couples growing older together, what were things that you did to get out of that vibration? Because it sounds like you moved into a different place, into a higher vibration at that point. Yeah, I um, started um, daily, kind of remembering some of the things I tell my my clients, uh, to... uh, do a gratitude journal mm. of being grateful for what I had with Gary. Uh, my first marriage was a, a very difficult marriage. It was a very short-lived marriage. My uh, husband was in Vietnam, and um, I never thought I'd marry again. I, I was single for, for 20 years mm-hmm. um, until I met, met Gary. So when I did meet him, I had the fabulous experience of knowing that somebody had your back. It was a partnership. It was, it was really it was short-lived. It was only 12 years, but, but it was really great. So I turned around and took that again. It, it's the mind, the driver, you know, it's, it's what we create in our mind. I took that and said, well, hey, if I didn't have this experience with Gary, then I, I cannot do the relationship counseling that I do in loss. I think one thing I hear, am hearing that's really important here, and I, I know we didn't get back to your earliest loss, which was a very good friend of yours and her sister as a child. But what what comes up for me is it's an ongoing process. You you were along the process after your son died and doing well, and then you remarried, and then Gary dies, and then you have to start a process again. Um, it, it's not a, a steady flow, is it? No, no, it, it's not. And one of the things that... Um, in our culture, in our Western culture, uh, people want to just get on with the grieving process. We, we really don't know how to mourn, and we don't give people permission to mourn. That's, that's my general experience. Mm-hmm. So when I deal with people, um, what I explain to them is that every single loss, regardless of, of what the loss is, needs to have and you need to go through a mourning, grieving process and a healing process. And what determines the intensity of that of that process is the significance of, of the loss. So if you lose a job that you, you, you it's okay, it's providing a living, uh, you'll go through a grieving process, mm-hmm. but it doesn't compare to anything, you know, like a, a loss of a child, a loss of a spouse. Um, so what I, I work when I do my workshops and stuff is I explain that there's uh, two processes that need to happen every time we experience a loss in life. 
And one is the breathing morning process, which is a feeling process. And the other is the healing process, which is a doing process. Okay? Sometimes they dovetail. Usually, it just depends on the situation, the morning process has to happen before the healing process begins. But sometimes they do dovetail. Wonderful book, Love Never Heals. This is a wonderful read. It is looks very simple on the surface. It's an easy read. There are nice stories in it. But it is also, if you go to that level, a very deep book. It's whatever you want it to be. And it is not a large book, so you're not going to have a tome to read. It is just filled with wonderful things. And can you tell people how they can get this great book? Uh, they can go on my website, and it's, it's put right on my website, um, and get it that way. Or they can just go to um, Amazon. It's on Amazon. It's in Kindle version. It's in different languages. Uh, and it's just Love Never Dies, you know, by Elizabeth Corwin. Um, the, um, and, they, and they can also go to your website, right, Elizabeth yes. Corwin dot com to get yes. into your workshops and to uh, use you for um, a consultant in business too and uh, that is fantastic i also love in this book that there's tips and tools that people can do and things that they can do to have shifts in their energy and the way they feel relatively quickly so thank you so much for this book and thanks for being on the show and thank you for reminding us that love never dies and thank you both I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to share this, and I certainly hope it will help people in many ways down the pike. And thanks, Beth. I love when, when Beth said, death is a portal to another form of life. It's mm-hmm. such a positive way to look at death. Absolutely. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening to our show today. And Heidi and I always want to say to you, if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you get your own. And God bless you. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.
You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.